0: the thing that has to happen before the world can comprehend and understand spiritual truth is they have to be spiritually alive in christ and people who are not spiritually alive in christ cannot not will not they cannot know the things of the spirit of god they will remain always in their mind foolishness the word there for foolishness it means literally silliness it's something that is an absolute ridiculous perspective Hey, I'm Mike Atkins, and I'm so glad you've joined me today for the podcast. My prayer has been that as we study God's Word together, our hearts will be open to the life-changing truth of Christ in us, the hope of glory, to everything the Lord has done for us, but most importantly, to everything the Lord longs to do through us. I'm really thankful for this time together and for the Lord's work in your life. You'll find more information in the show description and at MikeAtkinsMinistry.com. I want us to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's look at verse 12. Here Paul the Apostle is speaking and he says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God, And these things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Then verse 14, a key uh, principle here. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So this key verse, I wanna think about this with you for just a moment. First of all, realize Paul, the apostle speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he says, the spirit that we have is not the spirit of the world. It's not meant to be the spirit of the world, not, not meant to be a part of or participating in or being bound by or controlled by the spirit of the world. We're being inspired by, we're being instructed by the spirit of God who is from God, so that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God, verse 13. And then that's what we're speaking. In other words, first, there's a receiving of the Spirit of God. Then there's a knowing of the things of God. Then there's a speaking uh, of the, the things that we know that are in line with the Spirit of God. And even in that speaking, he says, we're not speaking in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit is teaching We're comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. In other words, he's giving a frame of reference here that's going to be really critical to this idea that we're going to talk about tonight, the foolishness of God. And the frame of reference that he's giving us is that there are two approaches to life. One approach is the natural, human wisdom, the spirit of this world. The other approach to life is the supernatural, the spirit And those things which come from the presence of and the life of Christ. And these two things are diametrically opposed. As a matter of fact, they're so opposed that in verse 14, the key verse, he says the natural man or the person who is living in this world, who is not born of the spirit, who has not yet received the spirit of God, the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God. They are foolishness to him nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. In other words, people who do not know Christ do not think like you think. They do not perceive things the way you perceive them. They don't operate the way you're meant to operate. They are not uh, conscious of, they've not had the revelation of the things of the Spirit or the ways of God, So they can't speak out of the wisdom of God and they can't speak out of the the things that are freely given to them by God and they can't speak out of that Holy Spirit wisdom that the Holy Spirit can teach and use because, and he makes it clear here, the things of the Spirit of God to the world are foolishness. They're absolute foolishness. And he says, they cannot know them. Not they refuse to know them, it says literally they can not know them. It's impossible for them to know them because you cannot take somebody who's spiritually dead and help them understand and discern spiritual truth. It's impossible. It's, a, it's, it's an absolute futile thing to try and do is convince the world of spiritual truth. You can do it. The thing that has to happen before the world can comprehend and understand spiritual truth is they have to be spiritually alive in Christ. And people who are not spiritually alive in Christ cannot, not will not, they cannot, the scripture says, they cannot know the things of the spirit of God. They will remain always in their mind foolishness. The word there for foolishness, it means literally silliness absurdity. The root word means to be something that's dull, that's stupid, that's, that is heedless, that it's empty in their mind. It's something that is an absolute ridiculous perspective to them. And the Lord told us that that's exactly the way the world will always perceive the things of the Spirit. The things of the Spirit, the actions of the Spirit, the ways of the Spirit the intention of the Spirit, the ways of God, the things that are freely given to us by God, even the words that are spoken are spiritual words given in spiritual language with spiritual wisdom, and the natural man cannot and will not understand these things. I don't know if that's something that you're conscious of or aware of, but I pray that that's something that I can help remind you of. Because in the days we're living in, I need you to understand something in my spirit. My heart yearns for the church to understand this. The church cannot expect the world to think the way the church thinks. And let me say this about even the church, and I'm going to get into this in a moment. But to begin with, those who are truly born of the Spirit should be, must be, are called to be are invited to be are privileged to be able to live out of something completely different than that the world what the world has access to or what the world can even comprehend or understand the church the true believer the person who is walking with Christ the person who is alive in the spirit should be operating from a completely different place than the way the world operates or thinks and it should not be expecting the world to agree with it, or to understand it, or to come into unity with that perspective. But here's the thing that concerns me. The most important task of the church is to help others come to know what we've come to know, which is to come to know Christ, to come to be born of his spirit, to come to have his life be placed in place of the spirit of this world, to have his life placed on the inside of us so that then we can begin to understand and know the things that are freely given to us by God. We can begin to speak in words, which not, not that man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. And we can begin to receive the things of the Spirit of God and we can understand them and they're no longer foolishness. That's what's happened to us. Well, that's the task that we've been given to the world. The task is to bring them to Christ. The task is to introduce them to the things of the Spirit. The task is to reveal to them the love that God has for them, to tell them that they can be reconciled to the Father. The task is not to convince a natural man that, about the things of the Spirit, because he can't understand that. It's foolishness to him, and it will always be foolishness to him, and the Bible gives them the right to consider it foolishness, because it declares that the natural man sees the things of the Spirit as foolishness and cannot, cannot, cannot know them. So how can I help somebody who is a natural man to discern, agree with, know, speak, come, come into unity with the things of the Spirit? There's only one way. I've got to help them know Christ. But if I, out of my actions and my activities, begin to try and convince them to think the way the Spirit of God thinks, I can convince them, I can, I can somehow force them to come to this point of view, is in complete contradiction to the scripture. There's only one way a person can understand the things of the Spirit and know them. Only one way. They have to be born of the Spirit. And until they are born of the Spirit, I have no other primary calling in their life. Not to persuade them, it's to convince them of Christ. That's the main calling on the believer and on the church. Now, once that happens, then there's a beginning process by which the Spirit of God can begin to adjust their thinking and show them and reveal to them the things of the Spirit and how the Spirit thinks and how the Spirit does things. But I want to say this tonight. I started by saying that verse 14 is the key verse. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So I started by saying this that the natural man will always view the things of the spirit as foolishness and will not be able to know them. But can I tell you what really concerns me right now in the body of Christ? It's not about the natural men, not about those who don't know the Lord. My concern is that I, I see an increasing level of people who are believers, who are born of the spirit, to whom the things of the Spirit are foolishness and don't seem to be able to know them. What do I mean when I say that? They are born of the Spirit, but they are relying so strongly on their own wisdom, their own emotions, their own perspectives, on the noise that's around them, that rather than receiving the Spirit which is from God, so that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God, so that we might speak our words, might be not what human wisdom would say, but what the Holy Spirit teaches, that we'd be comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. Instead of doing that, we are operating in the same spirit as the world. We are not seeing the things of God, but we're seeing the things of of the chaos around us. We're not responding or speaking in the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and the wisdom of his words, but we're speaking out of the wisdom of the world or the wisdom of fleshly emotion or reaction or those kinds of things. And the result is that the things of the spirit, for example, when the world or the flesh says go, the spirit says wait. Before long, if we're not operating in the spirit, not living by the spirit, not responding by the spirit, before long, the things of the spirit can start to look like foolishness and the things of the flesh can start to look like wisdom. We can actually come to the point that we begin to think that we're operating in wisdom when in fact, we're operating in foolishness. Now, I'm going to show this to you in scripture tonight. Matter of fact, if there's one theme to the book of 1 Corinthians, at least the first part of it, it's almost entirely about foolishness. What is foolishness? Now, remember our title tonight, The Foolishness of God. We're going to get there. But hang in here with me for a few moments. Let me ask you a question. Is it possible that we could get so caught up in the maelstrom and the chaotic perspective of what's going on in the world around us and start to be so, so reactive out of the flesh responses to that that we've lost the ability to withdraw from the spirit of the world, to withdraw from the things of the world, to get a hold of the spirit of God, to get a hold of the things of God, to touch the things that Christ has given us freely, to be able to know what God's doing and then be able to speak, not in fleshly argumentation and persuasion, but in spiritual words, which come from the spirit of God. Or is it possible that not only are natural men not receiving the things of the Spirit of God because the things of the Spirit seem like foolishness. My greater concern is what happens if the church starts to see the things of the Spirit as foolishness and start to operate by the same strategies, the same calculations, the same perspectives as the world does, as though we're fighting fire with fire rather than fighting flesh with spirit flesh cannot put out the fire of flesh only spirit can do that i believe and i've seen in these years a tendency for the church if it's not careful to become so sophisticated so wise in the ways of the world so intellectually stimulated so brilliant in their own strategies That the things of the spirit feel like foolishness when they meet somebody, when they encounter somebody who's not reacting to everything, who's not on the cutting edge of the latest thing, but is being still, is listening carefully, is waiting, is being wise in their words, is watching to see what God's doing. They see them as foolish and they can't receive that perspective. They can't understand that. I pray that this is not the case. I pray more than any other time for the church, that the church would learn for you, my brothers and sisters, particularly for whom the Lord has given me opportunity to be a voice. Let us be a people who do not see the things of the spirit or the ways of the spirit or the actions of the spirit or the different perspectives of the spirit as foolish. Let me remind you, God is the one who said, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Higher than the heavens are above the earth are my ways than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. That's why we need the spirit of God so that we might know the things that are freely given to us from God so that we might speak words not of man's wisdom or man's ways, but wisdom which the Holy Spirit teaches and that we not be like a person in the world to whom the things of the Spirit are foolishness. But we see the things of the Spirit as wisdom. Now, I've stayed on that for a long time, but I wanted to lay that quick foundation and then take you just a little further tonight. We're going to talk about the foolishness of God. I think it'll be a revelation in just a few moments. But I want to take this idea just a little bit further. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and verse 18... Notice what he says here. Let no one deceive himself. Hmm. It's possible for me to deceive myself? It's possible for you to deceive yourself? Notice what he says. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, in terms of worldly wisdom and perspective and insight and strategy and concepts, look what he says. Let him become a fool, that he might become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Now notice this idea, apparently to God, the things of the spirit are, which are foolishness to the world, the things of the Spirit are what he views as wisdom, and the wisdom of this age, the wisdom of this world, he calls foolishness. It's foolishness with God to not live by the Spirit. It's foolishness with God to not wait on his revelations and his directions, it's foolishness in God's perspective to not be led by his spirit, to not be willing to wait upon him, to not be reactive. That's foolishness in God's mind. And he says, if anybody seems to be wise in this age, you meet somebody and boy, they just, they got so much insight and they got so many wisdom, they know everything that's going on. They can give you deep and, you know, deep understanding and the wonderful, the understandings and the things that are going All of these things are going on. And yet notice this, what God says, anybody seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool (laughs) that he may become wise. I thought about entitling this message. What kind of fool am I? Because the truth is I'm either going to be operating in the world, which means I view the things of the spirit as foolishness, waiting on the Lord, praying, being still, following his word, not reacting, listening for his voice, letting Christ live through me. I'm either going to be doing that, which means I'll view the the things of the spirit as foolishness, or I'm going to say, I'm going to become a fool. I don't care what the world might think of me. And here, I'm not talking about, I'm going to get up in everybody's face and tell them what an idiot they are. Listen to me. That's telling a natural man that because you don't understand the things of the Spirit and because you can't know them, there's something wrong with you. What's wrong is that they hadn't come to Christ because we hadn't led them to Christ, because we haven't loved them to Christ, because we haven't engaged them to change their heart so that they can understand the things of the Spirit, so that they can know them and that they aren't foolishness to them. And what's worse is if the church begins to operate out of the same mentality and the same perspective and the same reactivity, as the way a fleshly man or a carnal man acts or a natural man, then what's happening is we're no different than the world. We're seeing the things of the spirit as foolishness too, rather than becoming fools. The Lord says, if you think you're wise, if anybody thinks they're wise in this age, in the way this world thinks, in the perspective, if you think you're, the, what's going on in the natural world, if you think that's what it's all about, if you think that's what's really happening, he says, let me give you some advice, become a fool. Become a fool so that you may truly become wise, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness. The wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. There's so much going on that in God's eyes is foolishness, absolute foolishness. In the same way that there's so many things going on among those who are walking in the spirit, that the world sees as absolute foolishness. And I Listen, I know there's lots of political things going on. I know there's lots of rumors of this and that, I, I'm, I'm, all of those kinds of things. You guys should know be my now to know that I'm not going to get into all the details of all that stuff or try and tell you my perspective on that, because honestly, I don't believe that's what I need to be focused on. What I want to focus on is this question. Are you walking in the spirit? Are you waiting on God? Are you spending as much time in the word of God as you are in the words of men? Are you listening as closely, as carefully, as sensitively, as passionately? Are you as excited to get up and read what has God got to say in his word as you would be to read the front page of the newspaper or see the latest controversy or understand the latest dilemma that's going on? Are you overly perspective-wise? Are you overly focused on trying to find a strategy to do something in the natural? Or are you thinking in terms of who could I touch for Christ so that their mind and their heart and their spirit could come alive and they could come to understand the things of the spirit and they would no longer be foolishness to them but they'd become the wisdom of God I tell you this word foolishness we're going to see it in just a few moments but here's the thing he says if you think you're wise in this age if you see somebody think now there's somebody really wise in what's going on around us God's counsel to them is become a fool so that you can become wise what does that mean Stop your focus in the natural, in the intellectual, in the realm of the scene, and start pulling your heart into the realm of the spirit. Start waiting on me. Start listening for me. The Lord says he catches the wise, this is the worldly wise, in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thought of the wise, again, the worldly wise. Their thoughts are futile. They may be brilliant. They may be active, but they're futile. Now, look what it says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 23. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 23. Now, Paul begins to talk about this idea of the difference between spiritual foolishness and worldly foolishness. Notice what he says in verse 23. But we, here he says, here's, our, here's the, the different response, the way we react differently. We preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, foolishness. Would you agree that to the world, the cross is foolishness? Well, guess what? God's not surprised by that. He's not surprised that the world views the things of the Spirit as foolishness. He understands that. But notice what he says in verse 24, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, wait a minute. He just said here that to the Jews, the message of the cross is a stumbling block. To the Greeks, it's foolishness. But to the called, well, who are the called? They're Jews and Greeks. Suddenly, what was once foolishness, what was once a stumbling block, becomes the wisdom and power of God. Did that happen to you? It certainly happened to me. There was a time in my life, I remember in high school, there was a young guy that came out and got saved and got on fire for the Lord and went out to the parties, all the high school parties, and was trying to share Christ. And we all thought, what an idiot, what a fool. All the things of the cross seemed foolishness to me at the time. But guess what happened? I lost my best friends in high school. I went through some massive changes in my family. I I went to college and had all kinds of issues and problems crop up. And all of a sudden, I came to a point in my life where what was once a stumbling block and foolishness to me, I responded to. I heard the gospel preached in a way that was the right timing and, uh, and the calling of God came towards me. I responded to it. And what was once foolishness to me has now become the wisdom and power of God. Everything about me lives for the things that I once considered foolishness. But why? Because somebody brought me to Christ. Somebody brought the message of Jesus to me. And when it happened, it transformed my life. They didn't try and argue with me that I should think like a Christian. They led me to Christ <laughs> so that I could be transformed in my heart and mind. So that then what was foolishness to me became wisdom and power to me. Notice what he says here in verse 25, because the foolishness of God, remember our title tonight, the foolishness of God? Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, for God has chosen the foolish things of the world, to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world, to put to shame the things which are mighty, and the biggest things of the world, and the things which are despised, God has chosen, and the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. Why? That no flesh should glory in his presence. Notice this, God says that there is a foolishness of God. What is the foolishness of God? The foolishness of God Is to send his son to die on a cross in ignominy, in shame, to bear the weight of the sin of the world, to have the whole of the demonic forces of hell thrust against him, to have even the father's face turn away from him in abject weakness and poverty, to die on the cross, to do what? To crush the head of the serpent, to destroy the enmity between God and man. What the world views as foolishness was the wisdom and power of God. That's why he says the foolishness, the foolishness, the foolishness of God is wiser than men. The weakness of God is stronger than men. You see, when you view the things of the spirit as foolishness, God views you as foolish. But when the world views you as foolish because you are waiting on the Spirit, you're listening to the voice of God, you are rejoicing in your weakness, you're rejoicing in what Christ has done on your behalf, you are not trying to persuade men to change their mind about the things of God, their perspective. You're trying to change the heart of men and reconcile them to God so that they can be born of the Spirit so that then they can understand the things of the Spirit. They can know the things that have been freely given to them by God. They can then begin to speak the words of wisdom that the Holy Spirit gives, and they're transformed from the inside. When that becomes our focus, the world, and maybe some in the church will think you're foolish because you're leaning on the things of the Spirit. You're being led by the Spirit. You're walking in the Spirit. You're not reacting, responding, rejecting forcefully engaging in the world in your own power and strength and fleshly ideas and gathering others around you and agitatedly trying to change everything. Rather, you're saying, Lord, whose heart can I lead to you? How can I be your voice, your strength, your wisdom? And let me tell you, the world may view you as a fool. To a Jew, there may be a stumbling block. To the Greek, they may see you as a fool. But when you find that person, that Jew or that Greek, who is at that moment prepared by the Spirit of God to be called like you were one day. One day you were a Jew or a Greek, but you were called by the Spirit of God and somebody was there to bring the Word of God to you. And when that happened, however it happened, that calling came and the foolishness of God became the wisdom and power to you. And what you once mocked and ridiculed, you now cherish and value Saints, having begun in that, is it possible that we would slip back into fleshly perspective, into the spirit of this world, and the spirit of this age, into the wisdom of this world, rather than press deeply into the foolishness of God? The foolishness of God. If you think you're wise in this age, become a fool. Lay down all of your wisdom. Lay down all of your perspectives. I want to lay down all of my opinions and ideas. I want to become a fool in this age that I might begin to touch what the scripture says, become a fool that you may become wise because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Saints, we're in a very critical time in human history. I want to say that there have certainly been times of upheaval and challenge and challenge beyond comprehension in ages before us, even in generations just previous to us, wars and, and millions of people's lives lost. All kinds of things have taken place in human history. So don't think we're somehow and some uniquely, remarkably horrible time, because there have been many horrible times in human history. What I want to say to you is that we're in a unique season of time, I believe, in the church, in which I believe God is inviting, though he will not, he will not force us. He is inviting us in this time of upheaval, of confusion, of chaos, of storms, of tempest, He's inviting us to move out of the realm of all of that human opinionating and confusion into the realm of the spirit, into the eye in the middle of the storm, into that place of calm and rest in Christ, where we are not bearing the spirit of this world. We are not, missing out on understanding the things God freely wants to give us in revelation. We're not speaking words that human wisdom would teach, but we're learning the words, the ways, the understanding of the spirit which by the way isn't something we figure out, is something we wait upon. It's not something that we put on God. It's something God gifts to us because we get quiet long enough to listen to his voice, and then to respond to what he's telling us to do. And I can tell you, there's a lot of things we're doing that are not being led by the Spirit. There's a lot of things that are taking place, but they're not spiritual-led things. They're things that are being led by human agitation and not by spiritual discernment and wisdom and revelation. I can tell you, God can do more in one minute of somebody being led by his spirit and yielding to the life of Christ, than a thousand people can do agitated by fleshly perspectives out of their own human wisdom. What they're going to give birth to is just more flesh. They're fighting flesh with flesh and you cannot fight flesh with flesh until a human heart is transformed. Listen to me, listen to me until a human heart comes to Jesus. It does not know how, to understand the things of the spirit and it's always going to be foolishness to him, but don't let the things of the spirit become foolishness to us. We're the ones for whom the things of the spirit should be not like the cross was foolishness to the Greek, but it should be the wisdom and power of God, the ways of Jesus, his attitude, his perspective, the way he did things, his inability to be motivated or controlled by the circumstances of the world around him but to be motivated and controlled by the power of the father's life in him this is the calling he's placed upon you and me now so there's just a couple of last thoughts here that I want to bring you to I want you to notice that Paul felt so strongly about this look what he says here in chapter 2 of first Corinthians verse 1 he says I brethren when I came to you, I didn't come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring the testimony of God. Here he's speaking about human eloquence and brilliant, you know, argumentation. Verse two, he says, for I determined not to know anything about you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul's talking to the church in Corinth who did not know Christ. He didn't go in there with eloquence, trying to argue them into thinking the way that the Spirit of God thinks. He knew they couldn't. He knew they couldn't understand or think that way. What he did is he went in there, determined not to know anything except Jesus and him crucified. In other words, he went to lead them to Christ, to show them their need for Jesus, to go in prayer and in the unction of the Holy Spirit, to be led by the Spirit to the people. God called him and the places. God called him to proclaim the gospel so that they'd be changed in heart. He says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Why? Because I didn't want your faith to be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul was concerned about one thing in Corinth, to win them to Christ. Now, he knew if he won them to Christ and they came to understand the cross and the power and the wisdom of God, then God would begin by the power of his Holy Spirit to transform them from the inside. So it wasn't that Paul didn't know a lot. Paul was brilliant. He was a scholar. He was trained by Gamaliel. He was probably one of the most brilliant men of the New Testament world and age. He was a Roman citizen. He was exposed to and trained by some of the most brilliant minds of his age. And yet Paul deliberately decided not to rely on those things, on his brilliance or his eloquence, but to bring the message of the cross and of Christ. Now, and here's where I'm pulling to a close. I want you to notice this though. Look what he says in verse six. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. In other words, Paul says, don't think I can't talk about anything other than the cross and Christ crucified. There's a whole lot more I can talk to you about. He says, we speak wisdom, but not among the lost and not among the immature. We speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age. We don't talk about the world's wisdom, the world's ideas, the world's opinions, the world's agitations. That's not the wisdom we're interested in nor of the rulers of this age. We're not talking about a wisdom among the mature that is the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age. And notice what he says about the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Ultimately, all the kingdoms of this world are coming to nothing. That's not what we're interested in talking about. Look what he says in verse seven. Hold with me. There's a great revelation in just the last minutes of this but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Notice what he says, verse eight, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known... They would not have crucified the Lord of glory, but as it is written, eye hasn't seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, just the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. You cannot know the things of God except by the Spirit of God. And that brings us right back to where we were before. Now, we've received not the Spirit of the age, the Spirit of God. The things of the Spirit are foolishness to the natural man. Why? Because no one can know the things of God except the Spirit of God. We've been given the Spirit. And here's what he says. There is a great amount of wisdom, extraordinary. I mean, fathomless wisdom, eternal wisdom that we do talk about to those who are mature. This wisdom, the world doesn't know about it. And listen to me, the rulers, no matter how powerful, how brilliant, how strong, how established, how, how whatever they are, the rulers of this age, they don't know this either. And he says, the rulers of this age are coming to nothing. In the end, all the kingdoms, all the kingdoms of this world are going to become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he's going to rule forever and ever. Now, look, notice this. He says, verse 7 there, go back. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. wonder what this mystery is. We're about to find out. It's the his, hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the ages for our glory. For our glory, God ordained this hidden wisdom that's spoken in a mystery. Verse 8 again, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For if they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. There's so much there that I could go into. My mind is boggled by just the thoughts that the Holy Spirit's speaking to me about that. But I'm not going to go there because I want to end. I want to say, then, what is, what is this wisdom that's available to the person who has received the Spirit of God can be revealed to the people who have received the Spirit of God so that we can know even the deep things of God? so that we can know the things of God by the spirit of God. What are these things, this wisdom of God that the world calls the foolishness of God, that I'd rather understand the foolishness of God than I would ever try and understand and be mesmerized by and be captivated by the wisdom of men. I'd rather be a fool that I might become truly wise. Well, what is this? Well, look with me in the final verse of scripture in Colossians. We're closing now. Look what it says in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1 and verse 25 here Paul the Apostle same guy is talking and remember what are we talking about we're talking about a mystery we're talking about a mystery that has been hidden before the foundation of the ages a mystery that the world doesn't know a mystery that the rulers of this age does not know a mystery that gives us revelation into the deep things of the Spirit of God but we'll Always remain foolishness to the world. What is this mystery? Well, let's find out what it is. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, verse 25 of Colossians 1, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, verse 26, the mystery, which has been hidden from ages and from generations and now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Notice what he says. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect or mature, In Christ Jesus. And it's to this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. What is the foolishness of God? The foolishness of God is the mystery of men being born of the Spirit of God, becoming inhabited by the life of Christ in us and then receiving the wisdom of his life and his spirit on the inside of us, and no longer living by the foolishness of this age, by the wisdom of this age, by what the rulers of this age are engaged in, but living by the spirit of God, by the wisdom of God, speaking in spiritual language and spiritual words the spiritual truth of God's spirit revealed in us, by Christ's life, and in allowing that life to be expressed through us into this world, Christ in us is the mystery that Paul says we speak about to those who are mature. Only the Spirit of God can bring this home to you the way it needs to be revealed. But let me just close with this thought. What would happen... If instead of us getting up in the morning, listening to the latest news and information, I'm not just talking about the latest events, I'm talking about through our whole life. Seeing what the latest fads, the latest fashions, the latest ideas, the latest uh, agitations of the world are, forming, formulating an opinion, finding other people whose opinions agree with ours, Uh, determining the the actions that we're going to take, talking about everything that's going on and engaging in all these. What if instead of doing that, we got up and instead of focusing on the latest news and information, we said, Lord, what's going on in your kingdom today? Holy Spirit, what do you want to reveal to me today about the deep things of God? Lord, what is it that you might have for me to do today as an assignment. Now, maybe I've got to go to work. Maybe I'm working at McDonald's. Maybe I'm working at, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, on my master's degree. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. But Lord, as I go about this thing, which your spirit has led me to do, and this is where I am engaged right now, what's on your heart? What's your assignment today? Or what is it that you want to speak to me? Lord, what revelation do you want to give me that I can act upon? How is it that you want to express your life through me? Lord, I don't really care what anybody else is thinking or what anybody else is doing or what the world's agitated about on this particular day, that they'll be agitated about something else on the next day. What I wanna know, what I wanna know is what is it that you wanna reveal to me about the things that you freely wanna give to me by the Spirit of God? What about the deep things of God? What about the mystery of Christ in me? Do you want me to know more completely today and how is it that you want me to cooperate with you in allowing that mystery of his life to be expressed through me? That's what Paul was talking about when he says these words. He says, him we preach, him we preach, him we preach. We don't preach this or that or the other. We don't re- pre- preach this perspective. that It's him we're preaching, him we're preaching, him we're preaching. And we're warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom, God's wisdom, that we might present every man mature or perfect in Christ. This, is, this was Paul's call. And then now, and how did he go about doing it? In his own strength, and his own ability? No, look what he says. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Can you see that this is what God's really yearning for the people of God to do? Is to step out of the spirit of this world, out of the wisdom of this world, out of the ways of this world, to see what the world calls as wisdom as foolishness, and to see what the world calls foolishness, which is the things of the spirit as wisdom, to be willing to become a fool in order to be still and wait upon the voice of God and not be captivated by the raging rivers around us, but to be a stable pillar in the house of the Lord and stand and wait upon the voice of God. And then to become explorers of the great mystery, the foolishness of the cross, the foolishness of God, the foolishness of the things of the spirit to become expert fools. I want to be an expert fool in the foolishness of God, in the foolishness of the cross in the foolishness of the things of the spirit, that I might become truly wise and that I might then plumb the depths of the mystery that's been hidden before the foundation of the ages, that mystery, which is Christ in me, Christ through me, Christ living and expressing his life and finishing his work on earth through me in my particular role and place so what about it the foolishness of god or the foolishness of men sign me up for the foolishness of god the foolishness of the cross the foolishness of the spirit let the world consider me a fool let the church consider me a fool but don't let god consider me a fool let's close in prayer lord jesus if we think we're wise in this age let us become fools that we might become truly wise. Let us be willing to let the things of the Spirit, those things which the world will always, has always, and will always consider foolish, become our very bread and food. Help us to begin to learn how to live by the Spirit, not to respond to the things just because they're mesmerizing, because they're exciting, because they're inviting, but to say, no, I, I wanna be led by the Spirit. Not to react to things because they seem to be terrible or horrible or mis- No, I want to be led by the Spirit. Let whoever may call us a fool, call us a fool. But don't ever, Lord, do, do our hearts never want to be considered a fool by you. Teach us the wisdom of your ways, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If this message has been an encouragement to you, please share it. That's all I ask. To find out more, for additional resources, or just to get in touch, log on to MikeAtkinsMinistry.com or click the link in the show description. I'm Mike Atkins, and I look forward to having you with us again next time.